gang. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. I hope you're bearing with me and having a great time because uh, people who know will know that uh, this is my first week without John Somsky or Chris Jones. So I am trying to host and produce the podcast at the same time for the first time. And like every week, I have no idea what I'm doing. So uh, if you're here in the YouTube chat, please let me know if you can hear me <laughs> and if the root music is coming through. And otherwise, we're just going to have a great time. Uh, I mean, I always have a great time because I've got the best job. Job in the world. My name is Jim Reed. I'm a Bluffsterini in the home game or Rec Poker Jim if you want to find me on Twitter. And if you want to find out more about me and the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker/slash crew where you can learn about folks like Kim Kilroy. Uh, Kim, why don't you introduce yourself to Rec Poker Nation? Uh, I'm Kim. I'm Fergie uh, 56 in the home game and I'm Pet Bet or Pet Bet 33 everywhere else. Nice. And uh, as you know, our Wrecking Crew members are a, a really crucial part of what we do here at Wreck Poker. Uh, they're that core team of folks that uh, contribute their time every month to learn our learning sessions, our study groups. Um, and we also have to thank our sponsors, of course, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and Mark Brashan over at Website Amp. And we've got another Wrecking Crew member in the room tonight, uh, the one and only Rap Man. Rob, why don't you tell folks where they can get a hold of you? He's still getting the stuff together there, but he's Brad Man 50 pretty much everywhere. Um, and the only other person I want to thank, I want to shout out one of our premium members like I do every week. Uh, this one's going out to Michael Babker. Michael's been a member for a long time. And I just want you to know, Michael, your support is so appreciated. Your $15 a month makes a big difference for all of us here. And they help us. It helps us to do what we're doing here at Rec Poker. Um, which is just sort of spreading our love of poker with uh, with recreational serious amateurs around the world. Um, so that's enough about recreational serious amateurs. We get to talk to my new best buddy. Um, we made it official this summer. It's the one and only Norman Chad. Norman Chad, thank you for joining us on the Rec Poker Podcast. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. <laughs> if you don't know who Norman Chad is, then I don't think we can help you. Just turn this off. Go do something else with your life. You've obviously been making some terrible mistakes um, because Norman Chad is a phenomenal character. He's a big part of the poker scene. And for all here, Norman, I, I don't want to tell people about it. This is something I ask all our guests. You've been in the scene for a long time. You've been a player, a commentator, um, a smart ass. How do you, when people ask you for your role in the poker world, like how do you describe your own place in this world of poker? Well, I'm actually, I'm a late comer to the poker world. I was over 40 before I really got involved with it. Uh, I never even been to a tournament uh, to the World Series before I started doing for uh, ESPN in uh, 03. So that's 19 years ago. And so I don't even play uh, No Limit Hold'em. I just commentate on the World Series of Poker main event. Unfortunately, it's No Limit Hold'em, which I don't <laughs> play. But I've made up for that uh, tragic flaw by simply commenting on the players' clothes and their haircuts. Smart, smart. Add a little color. I like that. Um, and you've, I, I've heard with many of your interviews over the years, and you're a great example of uh, someone who just kind of made their way into the industry. I remember one quote you were saying that uh, uh, they didn't, <laughs> was it Lon who had said, oh yeah, this he's the guy that plays the poker tournaments. And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I totally play the poker tournaments. I can, I can talk about that. Um, and you've leveraged that into this phenomenal spot. Um, you obviously do play a, 
you understand no limit hold'em, but your heart is in mixed games. Well, <laughs> you know, the first few years I had people. Sometimes they wanted me to analyze stuff, which I didn't want to. And then right. when I'd analyze stuff, I had players coming up to me the next year saying, "You have no idea what you're talking about." I go, "Fair, fair point." <laughs> right. so, uh, yeah, I don't know how well I understand No Limit Hold'em. I've been exposed to a lot of it, obviously, over the last 20 years. But yeah, I, I play everything else. And I'm actually uh, average to above average in everything else. And absolutely the worst you could be in No Limit Hold'em. Nice. Well, th- this is a year where we're trying to take mixed games more seriously here at Rec Poker, make it, it more of an emphasis. I think a lot of people agree that that's kind of the future of poker, even if mainstream tournament poker is kind of tied to no limit hold'em just because the mechanics of the game. I think uh, mixed games are going to be something that people see more and more of. And every time you walk into a casino and, and you see people playing mixed games at the table, it looks like they're having a lot more fun than the people at the no limit hold'em tables. Are, are mixed games more fun? Uh, do, do you think so? That's been actually one of my primary selling points uh, to my no limit hold'em friends uh, that we do have more fun. Uh, you hmm. know, the, the, limit, the low limit crowd, which tends to be younger is the guys who come in with the hoodies and the shades and the headphones. Uh, we all talk to each other. Uh, we drink at the table. We even eat outside of the table. But yeah, it's much more fun. I just always claim, why would you want to tie yourself just to one discipline? In a particular day, you might feel like playing something else. Plus, I like switching games as often as possible. So I like playing five or 10 different games. I just don't want to look at two cards all night long and have to fold 80% of them. And that's what I'm telling rec players in particular, because you want to play hands. So you should prefer playing PLO to no limit. You're going to you're going to see more flops. You should prefer playing mixed games. You're going to see more hands. We're there to play hands. We're not there to fold 80% of the time. So yeah, mixed game players are having more fun and we do get most of the ladies. Uh it's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, not to play the game, but when we come out and people are just crowding around, "Oh, you're a mixed game player. You're a mixed game player." Hi Lola, you know, hi Tina. Uh they really get excited with us when we walk out of the casino cuz we're mixed game beasts. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think um, I know you're constantly just carrying a little baseball bat with you to keep them away um, at all times under the best and worst of circumstances. But um, having some mixed game fun, you know, people like to see people laughing and having a good time. That that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I'll tell our, our folks in the YouTube chat and, of course, Rob and Kim, if you have any questions, feel free to just unmute. If you're in the YouTube chat, please add your uh, questions into the chat box there, and I'll make sure we ask them of the one and only Norman Chad. Uh, one question I had was, so do you have a favorite mixed game? Uh, well, I've, you know, I've, the, the mixed game I play most often is in Los Angeles. Uh, the two games that are played are Omaha 8 or better and Stud 8 or better. So those are the two games I've been playing the longest but over the years, particularly during the pandemic, when I joined an online mixed game with 22 games, mm. uh, I've become a fan of just about everything. So there wow. were games I started when I started the 22 games, at least 10 of them I had not played, like the whole Badoogie series, Badoogie, Badoosie, Badesi, uh, <laughs> Buddy, and then uh, Dramaha, the Dramaha, Drama Doogie, Deuce of Seven, Dramaha, Drama Za Zero, Drama 49. You know, I, I have dreams about them now. Uh, you're supposed to have wet dreams, but I have dreams about really good drama how boards. So I learned all these mixed games and they are so much more fun. And I, I've never read on any, read a word strategy wise on any of them. And you just get better by playing good players. And of course, if you studied it, you'd become better, but I just play recreationally and I love playing all these games. 
Fantastic. And and is there something, you know, you, you've been involved in poker for a long time. You've seen a lot of the angles. You've uh, been on both sides of the camera. When it comes to playing itself, uh, other than kind of the camaraderie at the table, what about poker do you still really love or excites you about the game itself and playing? Well, it, you know, it's a sort of a cliche, but for me, it's a combination of, you know, the challenge of of playing against other people and trying to win. And the then you mentioned the camaraderie. Like I was, I would not have played online poker during the during the quarantine unless it was a Zoom game. Mm. So see everybody and talk everybody became sort of a de facto home game. I just don't want to sit there and click buttons. The social aspect of it is, you know, really the important thing to me. I grew up playing social poker, home poker, hosting games, and uh, it was always a delight. And at the you know, I'm not a real people person, but for some reason at the poker table. <laughs> I become a people person where I'm just different. So, you know, to play live poker with me, I would like to play live poker with me. I think it's entertaining. So, yeah, I like to have a good time with the rest of the table and I like to compete. So those are the two things. And I prefer cash poker where you can come and go and as you please. And it's over the long time. It's a greater it's a greater gauge of somebody's skill uh, than tournament poker. A lot less luck involved in the long haul and cash poker. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, you talk about growing up uh, playing as sort of like a social game or playing back in the day a little bit. What was your introduction to poker? Was it family games or uh, buddies uh, around the coffee table? Or how did you get introduced to it in the first place? Yeah, I didn't get introduced to it till uh, college, actually, at the University of Maryland. Just a group of us started playing. It became a once or twice a week game in which we played. And it was like a 50, you know, it was again, we, we you never played No Limit Hold'em or Limit Hold'em back then. This is the late 70s, early 80s. And so we just played a lot of different split pot games, some wild card games, what you do at home. So we played 50 cent limit, then we went to a $1 limit, and then we finally stretched to $2 limit, I think our junior or senior year. We didn't want to, you know, we weren't playing for a lot. You're playing for pizza money pretty much. But that was my introduction to the game is playing all mm. these split pot and wild card games uh, with college buddies. Hey, are you still in touch with any of those uh, buddies? Uh, some of them. One of those buddies was my uh, ended up being my first wife. So no, we're no longer in touch. <laughs> uh, she was a very. We're good at one, folks. One one ex wife comment so far. Here we are at one. Very good poker player. And then she became. <laughs> she went to law school. She left me while she was in law school. She became a district attorney, and I might have been the first person she prosecuted, uh, hmm. at least from a marriage standpoint. Uh, <laughs> she left, and we were done. But she's a wonderful. <laughs> she's a wonderful person. But she was a real good poker player. So I'm glad she was out of our game. Yeah, good point. And that's just good long-term thinking there, Norman. That sounds like uh, you're you're putting that together properly. Um, and where where do you play these days? Is there a casino near where you live? Uh, do you play in home games with your friends these days? Or how do you get to scratch that itch in real time? Uh, I'm lucky enough. Uh, you know, I could avoid online poker until the pandemic because I have a casino. You know, Los Angeles has a lot of card rooms. And I live near Hollywood Park Casino, which is literally 10 or 15 minutes from my house, which in Los Angeles is like next door. So they've always had the mixed game. I've played the bicycle casino here. Now the hustler casino has a bunch of mixed games, but I'm talking about five, 10, 15 different games. But generally when I'm in town, I'll play uh, at Hollywood park and play the Omaha eight stud eight mix. Nice. Um, so a lot of our listeners and, and watchers probably know you best from your coverage, your work in the booth, um, you work with Lon a lot. Have you worked with other partners? Is there uh, how important is kind of that chemistry? And talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah, the chemistry is important. I mean, I never met Lon before we started doing poker together in the moneymaker year. 
And if you're with a partner, you know, whether it's like doing morning radio or newscasters that co-host or in our situation, you spend a lot of time with each other and it, it helps if you get along with each other. And sometimes you don't. And we do. And then it helps if you have chemistry. Uh, so we have like a yin yang oil vinegar thing. You know, I'm, I'm you know, smart and funny. Lon's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, stupid poker wise, life wise, otherwise. So we sort of meld together. And uh, it, we've always gone along. And then when we, you know, Lon likes to say he's been with me longer than any of my marital partners. That would be a second reference. And that's true. And so lately we've had an open marriage where we've had a, other partners. <laughs> and when I've gone out and and dealt with other partners, I go, wow, this is, I can't believe I could have somebody really smart next to me. I didn't know you could do that. So I've been working with other people who, you know, have a triple digit IQ. Uh, mm. We don't make mistakes, you know, every, every five minutes. And it's been, it's been a revelation, but then you still always go back to the, you know, you dance with the one who brought you. <laughs> and I always go back home to Lon. And uh, I mean, once he sobers up, he's pretty good. <laughs> so Norm, you've got this acerbic uh, layer. Every, like I, you've, your, your command of humor is second to none. Um, you play this kind of character who's, you know, a bit of a dick, frankly. But I know that you're, yes, that's, I said it. But yeah, I, honestly, I think you're one of the sweetest people that I've encountered. Everyone who talks about you, you know, not to your face, but behind your back, they say the nicest things about you. I, uh, and they, 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 uh, we kind of, there's this tension, I think, between this, this facade that you have and the real norm. Um, is that, is that, difficult for you at all like is it a defense mechanism is it just you, you just realize how funny you can be in that way talk a little bit about that i mean you're getting me naturally so i mean part of me is always going to be self-deprecating and self-effacing my whole life but then as far as dealing with other people yeah i like to you know it's it's almost like insult comedy uh like yes. don Hickles back in the day where i like to make fun of people i like uh i don't want to make fun of people who i don't know or don't like uh, because they might take it the wrong way. Like, I don't know if I like you all yet. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard, you know, Kim and Rob speak yet, but I just say if I could, I would touch Kim's flag behind her because I'd like to be a Canadian citizen. Hmm. I would tell you, Jim, if you can both host and produce this podcast on your own, you are qualified to run for any national elective office in the United States. <laughs> and I would tell Rob that he's actually, without him speaking yet, he's almost like half Hulk Hogan, half, half Wilford Brimley to me. Mm. And I've that combination before, even though he could be, <laughs> you know, he's got a little problem up here. I'm fine. This is all mine. Uh, he got, I sent him some of this, but it's a different color. This is all mine. So that's what I would tell you all. But yeah, I just like to have fun at the poker table. And I know I, I've always gotten a good kick out of people coming up to me during the main event, mostly rec players. And they go, I hope I get on a TV table so you can just smash me. They, you know, people want to actually have be made fun of in a, in a friendly way. And I hope that's what I do. Yeah, no, yeah, and you nail it, man. Um, I I also like to sort of tease people that that I'm friends with, and there is that kind of calibration where you have to know them well enough to know that they're going to be cool with that, and then in that way, it's actually a, a, a kind of a sign of respect uh, between between people after a while when you can kind of have that kind of rapport. It doesn't suit everybody, uh, but when when you do, it's fantastic. Um, I so I see you on Twitter in particular, and uh, you know you're you're kind of giving people the gears. And and, um, and putting yourself down quite a bit. Uh, but I got the chance to meet you in person this summer. 
And um, you you told me <laughs> that you must be softening up a little bit because you actually included me in one of your sleeper picks uh, to win the World Series of Poker main event. And I can only assume that's because some some sap out there told you a good story. What what how how do you kind of how do you choose that? And and what why just soften up so much this year? First of all, I have softened up. And, you know, I, I choose a lot of people based on the, the, the tweets they send me that, that you know, describe themselves. Choosing you was maybe the worst mistake since uh, I think Napoleon tried to uh, wage a two front war. I was uh, going to say the Hindenburg, but yeah, no, that, that fits. It, it was, it was, it was, I mean, you let me down. Uh, so I, you know, <laughs> I did. Well, just so you folks know, I ask people if I, especially once I pick them, because first I, they have to tell me something about themselves and I, I choose it based on just a feel thing. And then after I pick someone like Jim, I asked him, give us a little more information. So Jim essentially gave me his, his memoirs He's one of <laughs> people who gave me something like if, if the main event lasted 35 days, I couldn't use all this material, but it's great material. If he continues to play on, uh, how long do you last? You lasted a couple of levels, right? You were last. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I, I'm a little on the plus side of that, but not by much. Yeah. yeah but yeah. So he was gone before I could <laughs> so mention his name. So that's just always disappoints me because I'm, I got printouts from here. You can't believe it. You know, I mean, he he once slept with the Dalai Lama, which is remarkable information. But I can't get that in if he gets knocked out that early. It's true. It, well, the, the, I was actually, it's so funny. I was actually so excited at the prospect that I was just like, I just got to put down everything that he could ever find interesting. I, I remember I was like, I was lying in my bed at the Flamingo Hotel two thumbing it on Twitter DMs trying to put this like, what are some interesting things about me that Norman Chad might want to share with the world? And uh, yeah, I, th- I think I did kind of ramble on there quite a bit. I'm, I'm just going to have to come back next year and maybe we can get into your day three and day four and day five level stuff because uh, it was a nice, it was a nice touch for days one and two. I'll say that. Well, yeah. I so saw, even though you wouldn't be a sleeper pick back to back years, if you go further, I have the information on you and I'd be rooting for you, even mm. though you screwed up my sleeper, you know, my sleeper, I keep percentages of my sleeper picks where to go and my starburst, yes. starburst recipients. And you just, people like you just kill my sleeper pick thing. Cause it's always gonna be somebody who's not a professional, who's a big name. It's somebody you have a feel for. Okay. Who actually might be able to play the game with, you know, I came and visited him at his table. One, he's got a mask on. So this is the first time I'm seeing him for real. Second of all, he's got a, a rank of hands thing in front of him. I go, this is, <laughs> he's sitting here trying to figure out if a straight piece of flush, a flush piece of straight. And it's just too late. It's just too late. So I just, no, you were already locked in. You were locked, locked in at that photo with him and moved on. <laughs> yeah, that photo I think is currently my Twitter avatar, just in case anyone is. Unsure. And I literally, Norman, I was so excited about it. I actually called my mom. I called my mom and said, "Mom, you're not going to believe it, Norman Chad." I'm, I'm, oh, and how it was very cool this year because you had it down to twelve, and you referred to it as your dirty dozen, and I was just like. Oh my God, I'm part of a dirty dozen. I have always wanted to be part of a dirty dozen in some way. And uh, that really put the cherry on top of the entire summer. But it's funny because I, I, I want to tweet at Norm and be like this genuinely thankful, grateful guy. But it feels kind of wrong to not be just like making fun of him or giving him a hard time or something like that. And I'll be honest with you, I really struggled with that. If you look back at my tweets, I, I actually sound like just a, a, a gentle sap. Um, because that's yeah, that's you don't need to do that as you should know by now. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I prefer the other way. Uh, yes. you, know, you know, sometimes I pretend like someone's insulting me and I get mad, but it's just a pretend thing. I love if someone else can whatever give as good as they get or whatever they express. Yeah, yeah. 
no, I can tell. Yak with me with my various, whoever you want to call them. I don't want to refer to uh, the wife's situation again. But if they can just <laughs> put me down, especially publicly, which they love to do over the years, that's just, oh, yeah, this is why I'm with her. <laughs> I did sense that my genuine flattery was making you uncomfortable. Um, but I got to do more like uh, Bob. I think it's Bob Mathers, uh, Lexi Gavin's uh, soon-to-be husband, yeah. who when when you released your list of the uh, sleeper picks that year, his retweet was something like along the lines of, is this guy hitting on me? <laughs> Which I, that's yeah. a better way to get to Norm's That is a better uh, way Norm's to heart. go. And actually, Bob was on to something. He's a very attractive man. And, uh, <laughs> You know, as I told him, I was 10 years younger and not currently in a relationship. He might be mm. my guy. But there you he's go. A terrific guy and a terrific poker player, actually. Yeah. Also. And I think um, and if, if you're having any second thoughts about that, Norm, I'd put the moves on quick. From from, from what I understand, there's a ceremony happening in a couple of weeks that uh, you're, you're might be right, really on top of it. Dave. There is a ceremony happening very, very soon. And I might be, you know, I don't know if you saw The Graduate. Uh, <laughs> but I might be Dustin Hoffman pounding on the window, stopping the wedding because I want Bob, not Lexi. I, I know where the wedding is. It's, it's in the New York area and uh, I might show up. There you go. Nice. Well, that'll be a fun one. They're such a great couple and they're, uh, they have a lot of fun too. So it doesn't surprise me. I'm kind of, if I were you, I'd be a little annoyed and insulted if you didn't have an actual engraved invitation to that. Like, do you feel like no, that's an oversight or what do you think is responsible? It's an oversight, for that? but it, it's, I'm quite dismayed. I actually offered uh, to Bob, who I know a lot better than Alexi, that I would officiate, if not officiate the wedding, I could provide entertainment with at mm. no charge. I'd come mm -hmm. and do, you know, I'd, I'd give them a, like what we say in the stand-up comedy world, like a tight five or a tight 10, where I come in there, I give five of my best minutes or 10 of my best minutes comped for them. And I didn't hear back. Wow. That's so strange. Know, barely know Bob have been invited to this, to this wedding. Uh, and I'm 25, I'm going to be 2,500 miles away unless I take a proactive move on it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, um, <laughs> No, never mind. Never mind. We'll get to that one a little later on. Um, so uh, mix, mixing with people, obviously, the social part of the game, um, you're natural in that role. You have a lot of, and you have a lot of fun with that. I don't think that's a surprise. Um, what What are the parts of it that kind of feel like a drag? I want an honest answer here, Norm. What, when you're out there getting ready, is it the prep? Is it post-production? Is it just another day in the booth with Lon? Oh, my God. Uh, what is it that sort of feels a bit more like a chore um, than, than it used to? Well, it's always been difficult because, again, I, again, I'm not kidding when I'm saying I'm not a people person. So when friends of mine have come out to the main event and they see me wandering the main event floor talking to people, mm -hmm. they go, you know, who, you know who, who stole and snatched your body? And how are you walking around talking with people and engaging with people? Because when I, I don't go to parties, I don't go to, you know, large dinners, and I'm always the, the person in the corner that is just trying to avoid it. So it was a big adjustment for me to walk around the main event floor. And I used when we used to do that earlier, there was actually purpose to it, to meet people, maybe get stories, get something unusual that we could pursue. So that part has always been sort of a struggle for me because uh, it just isn't my natural being. You know, I'll be very talkative in a small group that I know, but to be, to be among strangers, that was hard for me to do at first. So that's not a drag at this point, but it's, it always has been a difficult thing for me to just pull myself out of a shell and walk around and engage people that I don't know. 
Yeah, that's actually um, something we have in common. I, I really enjoy small groups or groups where I know people already and like the ice has been broken. Uh, but I also find it kind of, I don't know, draining or uh, stressful or something to meet a bunch of people for the first time. And I think people would say that I'm pretty social as well. And I'm sure they say the same thing about you, but um, there is kind of that that duality to it. Um, yeah, Kim says it's kind of like a daunting experience sometimes. So I appreciate that. Is that something that has gotten that you've like gotten better at over the years? Or is it is it not even something you can think of in those terms? Yeah, yeah work-wise, it's something I got better at because I started doing it. Mm. Uh, as far as in real life, and I didn't get better at it until I started therapy uh, to help with my depression. And yeah. I explained to the therapist that like, yeah, if I go to a party, you know, I'm looking for either uh, literally looking for children or dogs, <laughs> engage either one and just be able to bury myself in that world. Cause I love kids yes. and I love dogs. And he explained to me, he got me doing something different where he says, instead of let's, let's flip this, flip the script. When you go in there, like you don't want to talk to anybody really, but you know, in, in this, in this way, you want to take advantage of the fact that you can talk. And attack it, like go, you know, just dive into a, a group of two or three people and, you know, hey, what's going on? And you, you know, you take, you know, you start telling stories, you start talking and it's kind of weird for me, but that's, that has helped, but it's still difficult for me to do that uh, because of the depression and because of what he, what's it, social anxiety disorder. They just mm-hmm. put fancy names on the fact that you don't want to be around somebody. <laughs> yeah, you hate people, social anxiety. So please, here, let me write you another check. Make it really, like, it's really confusing here that I, you know, that I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I hate everybody, but you're calling it social anxiety disorder. But anyway, so he helped a lot with that. It helped with the depression. And uh, I am better able to deal with those situations now, but I'm still far from uh, ideal. Well, and thank you so much for just mentioning the notion of therapy and depression and, um, you know, that that mental, emotional side of the game. I think as we progress as a society, that is becoming less and less stigmatized. But I know it's still something that people kind of feel so, so about. Um, what's been your experience as a public figure um, struggling with that and sort of I, I, the, the the ability to just talk about it freely on a public podcast like this sort of feels like progress as well. What's that been like? That is progress. And actually I've, uh, I didn't even realize I didn't go to therapy till about five years ago. And I never, I never even considered the fact that I could actually be clinically depressed or severely depressed. I just thought I had a downward view towards things and I was in a bad mood and I was lonely or sad or whatever. And, and this type of thing. And then when he pieced together all those things, going back to, you know, literally childhood. And I understood what he was talking about. And it, it was, it was a revelation to me. And then I've always realized without uh, thinking about it in terms of myself, that we, we don't deal with mental health health issues as we should. It's gotten a lot better the last generation, but we generally, it's, it's something that's swept under the carpet or people don't think it's like you're physically ill, you know, oh, well, you, know you know, the old thing is, you know, just, you know, whatever, take a pill, uh, just look at, you know, look on the upside, you know, something as stupid as that. So yeah, I had no problem then discussing it whenever it came up. Uh, in fact, I was doing a live stream uh, a couple of years ago and we ended up doing, I was working with Jason Kuhn, who I had not even met and we, we must've spent. 45 minutes in a row on on a live stream that was online poker, probably talking about depression. And I just couldn't believe, I mean, I couldn't believe we were doing this during, you know, the poker wasn't that great, 
Uh, I, I thought one guy really misplayed his his pocket jack from under the gun book too. But we were talking about depression left and right, and I do think it's helpful for anybody because you think when you're depressed, uh, you think there's nowhere to turn, and there's a lot of places to turn. And if you just talk to other people who are just alone who have the same affliction that you do, it becomes uh, a lifesaver. So yeah, I, I as a public figure, I like to talk it about talk about it a lot. That's great. And I think, you know, talking about things with like-minded people is what we're all about here at Rec Poker. It's not just poker, um, but there's lots of things that you can benefit from just by sharing it, sharing it with your friends, sharing it with people you trust. And um, we just encourage all of that around here. I know just from joining a community like this, I feel like I've worked on my own problems, not, not even necessarily poker related, but I feel like I'm a better citizen, a better friend, a better person, just because I'm kind of opening myself up a little more and I'm not worried about being vulnerable to other people as much. Uh, I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of lone wolf poker players out there and I think they're kind of doing themselves a disservice by not getting more involved with a group of, of some kind like that. It sounds like you would agree. Poker is again, there's a million reasons why if you are a, if you're pursuing poker's profession, uh, Poker is a tough profession to pursue mm. uh, on a lot of different levels. And you just mentioned the lone wolf thing, just, just the nature of the game and traveling a lot and, and you know, not being in a relationship and the, the bad hours and the, just, you know, being in a casino or a card room. It's a lot of things that can pile up that if, again, you are having some issues, they get worse unless you pay attention to them or have somebody helping you. So, yeah, it's it's besides poker players talking hands with each other, it helps if, you know, people who, again, have similar afflictions can discuss it. It's sort of a built-in support group if we allow it to be. Yeah, that's great. And um, I'll just, I'm going to take a little segue. Uh, if you're watching along in our YouTube chat, we're going to do our contest at the end of the show, like always. So if you, speaking of somewhere to turn to and people in distress, if you type the words food bank into the chat box, then you will be entered into our contest for a free month at Rec Poker. Go ahead and type that in now. And um, and I'll give folks one last chance to enter any other questions for Norm that I haven't already asked here. Um, so, Norm, getting away from poker a little bit, I see you've got uh, looks like 40 wine bottles behind you. How's my math? As it turns out, uh, I thought it was 40. We were talking just before we went on the air. It's actually 12 rows of four. So it's 48 ah. bottles. I don't think there might be a, a slot down here that's that. Uh, you know, I cracked open last night, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's 48, uh, 48 bottles on a very nice wine rack that was given to me by my second ex-wife. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But I think that extended the marriage by at least a month. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. Either one, whoever is leaving didn't want to leave in, in the wake of such a nice gift. So we <laughs> together an extra month and uh it's really a great gift and uh, again it's not i love drinking wine but i'm not a wine connoisseur it's it's not mm. like there's lots of wines up here i'm, I'm buying most of my wines in the 10 to 20 dollar uh realm well there's a lot of good wine in the 10 to 20 dollar uh, range these days uh you know the world's come a long way um i know kim's got a question but before she asks uh so how how do you choose uh the wine that you're going to to, to buy you say you're not a connoisseur but you must know what you like are there certain varieties or certain regions or uh how do you determine what's going to dance across your tongue that night yeah I'm, I'm, i got a pretty wide palate so even though i'll, I'll like a you know like let's go to the red wines you know i'd like something with more body so like a cabernet instead of a, a merlot I, i'll drink merlot i'll drink uh, you know, Pinot Noir, I'll drink Cabernet, I drink Chianti. So just as long as I like the taste of it, I'll just keep getting it. Uh, with my current and final wife, 
she cannot because of a uh, something happening something with red wine i mean with white wine affects her now uh like oh. allergy but you know i know some people can't drink red wines because the acidity or the red like they can't eat tomatoes anymore so she doesn't drink white wine so we're drinking it obviously we're drinking i'm drinking 90 percent red wine just because of that when i'm out somewhere uh without her and i do like to go out without her whenever <laughs> i can just to drink some white wine uh <laughs> I'll drink some more white wines, but you know, again, I drink whatever anybody else orders. And I know some real heavy wine drinkers in terms of their quality of wine they get. And so I'm, I'm exposed to wines that I would never be exposed to before. And frankly, I have trouble, you know, I can tell you the difference between four different peanut butter brands, you know, between mm. Jiffy and Superman and, and whatever the other ones are, Skippy and Jiffy extra crunch. She's my favorite. Ah. You know, I can wine test me and I can tell the difference between, you know, when you put, you could put a, you know, $250 bottle of wine in front of me and a $10 bottle of wine in front of me. And I'm going to be wrong half the time. I would <laughs> 10. So that's how much I know about wine. There you go. And how much you know about peanut butter. So, you know, you got to know your strengths. Um, when you did come to visit me at the table on day one of the main event, uh, we, we almost got in a scrap because I was, I was in a hand here and all of a sudden I just feel these hands on my jacket from behind me. You, you made some comment about the cut of my, jacket. I was like, who the heck, what the, uh, but it was your smiling face. And not only did you uh, leave me with a, a fond memory and a photograph, but you left a couple of these starbursts behind with two of the other players at the table. Uh, one of them was uh, actually last week's guest, Rob Gardner, who I think did pretty well on the Starburst front. He made it a few days. And mm -hmm. uh, the other player was this uh, wonderful uh, player to my right, uh, who I know State lasted out the first day. I don't remember how they finished up. But tell us a little bit about how that got started. What, what does the Starburst signify and why a Starburst? You know, it it happened by accident. So when I started playing, I don't really play a lot of tournaments. I play... I play at the World Series of Poker. I play three or four tournaments a year. The rest of the year, I might play one tournament because mm. I play cash. And I never, you know, I, I don't want to bother people because it's it's a tournament against the World Series of Poker. And obviously, it's higher buy-in than your regular tournaments. Even though I'm, I'm playing mostly $1,500 buy-in tournaments. I'm not playing the higher ones. But $1,500 is you know, more expensive than what you're playing around the country. Oh, yeah. Me too. So when I sat down, I always take the temperature of a table. Like, I, I want to make it enjoyable. I want to have fun. But I don't want to bother people if they don't want me just you know, not, you know, I don't want to be nonstop talking. So I noticed early on that, you know, these tables were all more, you know, more funereal than festive. Like people are just not in a great mood. They're all quiet. You can actually just hear chips being riffled all around the room. You can't hear a lot of talk. And my argument is my God, we're playing poker. You know, this is just supposed to be fun. So what I found out by accident is that once I figured what it was, and it might've been a starburst, it might've been a lifesaver. It might've been, uh, M&Ms, I had stuff in my pocket. And I offered somebody, let's say you want a lifesaver Starburst. As soon as I offered people, a you know, a lifesaver or Starburst, they just kind of pepped up. So I realized just by, just by offering candy, all of a sudden we're, you know, we're a community. So that, that I've learned at, when I'm at strange tables and that's why I always keep something in, in my pockets to, to get us going. And I'm not sure how that morphed I might have been making a joke that, yeah, take the Starburst. We'll be lucky for you. And then at some point, I decided, let me, and someone came back to me, you know, at some point and said, my goodness, after you gave me the Starburst, you know, I ended up <laughs> in that event. But I'm like, oh, it's a lucky Starburst. So I decided to incorporate that once we went to the live streams, because we, we didn't have the live streams before. We just did the post-produced taped episodes. 
Uh, so this doesn't work in that environment. So if we're going to be on a live stream every day for five or 10 hours and you, you know, you need stuff to talk about. I might as well give people lucky starbursts and see who, who goes how far. And I can, you know, so I can mention them. I can build their story, who they are. You know, they're a teacher, they're a cop, whatever. So it was a great way to get more people into the telecast, build more stories. And then I kept, and then our records been incredible. I mean, I give them, it's based on day one, sometimes at the beginning of day two, and people who ask for them on day two are always low, low stacked, so they're looking for luck. So as you know, at the World Series of Poker main event, 15% of people who enter cash, and since I started the Starburst thing four or five years ago, we're cashing at about a 21% rate. Oh, wow. Starburst, so people ask for them, or people I decide to give one to. So 21% is better than 15% last time I looked. Yeah, yeah, you're beating the field by 50% there or something like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, this is this is what I hate about poker players. When I give a starburst to somebody who doesn't cash, they blame the I mean, they blame oh. I mean, they're cashing at a 21% rate. <laughs> you're, only, you're you're cashing at a 15% rate at best. You don't cash it. I don't take a starburst from him. I didn't cash. Or I don't <laughs> take a yellow one. They're bad luck. <laughs> These people. <laughs> Well, poker players are always looking for someone to blame, aren't they? That's, you know, we never want to blame ourselves. We always get it in good or get drawn what, out on. What, or, they, what they don't realize, even though they didn't cash, they went a lot farther than they would have if they didn't have the Starbucks. That's possible. Good point. Too. So I'm just saying. I'm trying to put a negative spin on a positive. What's been a positive thing? Yeah, that's great. Well, it's uh, it's take it off. Like, like you're such a wonderful um, influence on uh, the players and the people that are thinking about getting involved in the game. Um, yeah. So whatever, whatever you're doing, man, uh, it's working. It's working for sure. Um, before we let you go, tell me one thing that the poker world should be doing better. What's one thing in your opinion that the poker world needs to be doing better? Okay. And I could give you five things, but I'm here one, all night, baby. Come on. The one main thing I always tell people, you know, and this is how I broadcast. It's, it's, you know, it's just a game. Let's have fun that for those of us who are there a lot of the time, we need to be better and nicer to those of us who are coming for the first time or the second time mm-hmm. or the third time we tend that the pros over the years and who don't look at the big picture tend to treat rec players, amateurs dismissively. And I've seen that the younger ones in particular, I've seen them talking about hands that just happened. And like one of the people in the hand is sitting right there and they're talking about what I was doing and this is what you should, this is a dumb That was a really big mistake by him. It's like, we're not there. So we need to be more, we just need to have a more human humane approach to everybody who's in the card room. We're, We're all tied together. If the bad players aren't there, the good players don't make money. So if they, if they scare away all the people who are just trying to learn the game or trying to enjoy themselves, well, you have no card room. So that's my first thing. Just be nicer to your neighbor. Talk to them. Uh, and I, the, 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 I've lived in Los Angeles nearly 30 years now. Los Angeles is a tough place to meet people. I have met the most fascinating group of people at these mixed games over the 30 years. They've become good friends of mine. And these are people and, and highly successful usually, and but all, all walks of life. So if I don't, if I we weren't talking to each other, I wouldn't find out. Oh, you're 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 you know you wrote songs for Elvis Presley. Oh, you were the police chief of Culver City's uh, of police department. I'm, literally, I've met these people, and so just talk to them, and they they might become one of your closest friends. So that's the main thing I have. Uh, my other problems have to do with, and I'll just be brief on them again. Is in the tournament field, which is why I don't like playing tournaments. The unlimited reentry is mm. just the worst 
worst thing in history, I probably wouldn't even allow re-entry. We've just changed the whole game. So again, it's really bad for rec players and amateur players. And as I like to say, I'll use Daniel Negreanu as a, as a, an example. If if I'm doing a last long with Daniel Negreanu in any tournament, no matter what it is, he's going to. If we play 100 tournaments together, he's going to last longer than me, minimum 80 or 85 times. Okay, so even and I, you know, with luck involved and all that. If we then do it where he can have three or four tickets in a tournament, three or four rebuys, and I'm still buying one, he's going to last longer than me like 97 out of 100 times. It's just insane. So the unlimited reentry, I hate. I wish we could get rid of that. And as as well as late, 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 Reg, uh, where you're coming in when 25% of the field is gone already. And then the, the old problem that we can't solve is why are there, you know, why is every uh, event have five percent women in it. Uh, mm. it. It should be higher. It's just that simple. I can, I don't understand uh, since there's no barrier to playing why we can't have more women in the game. I don't understand why the industry, whether it's a card room in particular, a series, doesn't market do whatever. Because why would you shut out? Let's say China all of a sudden, which you can't have legalized rooms and everything. Let's say the China market opens. Are card rooms going to ignore? Is poker going to ignore? Would you would you ignore one billion people? You would you would go after them, would you not? Well, last time I looked, and I talked about this once in a while, approximately half of the world's population is female. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't give you the exact numbers, but I run into women every day of the week. Why would you not market? I mean, the game is pretty good shape right now. Why would you completely ignore one half of your potential market? Because oh, women don't want to play. Uh, so it's just insane to me that we're still at the point where we can't get, you know, 20 or 25% of the total field or the total players being women. Uh, so that just bothers the heck out of me. And I just don't understand what the answer is to that, but surely we can get more than 5% uh, participation from uh, the women of this world. Well, those are great answers. I was really worried you were going to say there's too many poker podcasts where the host is also the producer and they can't get any of the audio banks, uh, audio cue stuff sorted out. No, I wouldn't say that, Jim, but there are too many poker podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And most of them, like you just got into it, by the way, to your credit. I turn on a podcast once while looking for information. I'll see if they're going to have somebody as a guest. They're going to talk about this. And the first five minutes, if there's two of them, it's like inside baseball. Hey, what'd you do? What'd you do? Oh, you raked your lawn? Uh, that's pretty good. Five <laughs> season, you're going to rake. Uh, and then there was something, you know, I, you know, Pebo told me that JR, JR saw you the other day. That was very funny. <laughs> they have no respect for your time. So it, and it goes on for an hour and a half. Just, you know, I'm old school. Give me what you got in 30 or 45 minutes, but just don't, just don't be yanking somebody's chain for the first few minutes. So, you know, <laughs> people, they have no, they have no background. Like I tell the poker players, they keep walking into the booth and they start talking, you know, well, well, you just put a mic in front of them and start analyzing hands. Well, if that's all it's to broadcasting, then I don't know what to tell you. But if if you walk into a, you know, how do they become good at poker? They became good at poker by studying the game, maybe mm -hmm. reading training manuals, talking to other poker players, you know, going over stuff again and again. So what makes them think they could go into another industry? And it's a pretty easy industry. I'm not talking about like having a law degree or a medical degree, uh, but what makes you think you just sit down and you start talking and then you're doing a good job at that? And then you're, <laughs> the fish, you're the fish in the broadcast booth. You have yes. no idea what you're doing. So I tell them that all the time because they tell me that they're, you know, they tell me they're better than me. I go, if you're better than me. <laughs> but no, really, I should, I really, I should not even wake up in the morning. I should sleep in till about two 30 and then watch 
Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil or whatever one of those pretenders telling you to take two pills and call me in the morning. Yeah, too many poker podcasts from people who've never spoken before. Okay, I, I can't let you go without following up with just one quick question. And so, like, uh, uh, folks like myself that want to improve at, on the podcast game, um, what are some things that we can do to to pick up some of that savvy? Should we just call you at home and and sort of get your perspective on things, or what? What do you recommend? Well, no, you you first of all, you you did not. Uh, you were judicious with your viewers' time. You didn't, you know, beat around the bush for 10 or 15 minutes before you started the thing. At the beginning, you know, just like at the beginning, if you watch the nightly news, the old network nightly news, uh, they might tell you, in, you know, just before they start, you know, today, you know, Ukraine fights back against Russia. Uh, Roe versus Wade causes a problem in Arkansas and blah, 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 blah. They tell you the three or four things you're mm. born to that, that hooks somebody in to, look, okay, I do want to hear about Roe versus Wade, or I do want to hear about, you know, the, the bear hunting thing and wherever, whatever it is. So to tell us at the top what's coming up is very helpful. And then just, again, don't waste our time. Just, you know, it, that that's just, just, just for starters, don't waste our time. Just, just jump into it, you know, just be shot out of a cannon. Uh, <laughs> and you're doing much better with a listener or viewer. That's Cheers. All. all right. Well, we did. We have one more question in the YouTube chat here from Eric Anderson, who's a big fan. Um, what can a recreational player do to get better at mixed games? And then we're going to wrap this baby up. Uh, well, okay. You come to my game at Hollywood Park. Yeah, that's a good smart. Uh, bring, bring money. Bring a big roll. And sure. <laughs> Ten or fifteen thousand dollars of losses, you will stabilize. No, okay. <laughs> so the the way the only the way to get better at mixed games is like anything else, is simply to play them, and then talk to. And like I, I've introduced somebody else to my online mixed game who only played three or four of the games, and I just described him what the other games were. You know, just basics, and you'll see. You know, I've seen like Negrano has done really good videos, like on the five games and horse or something, where he just gives you the basics. And you just, you just, you know, you, it's trial. You learn by trial and error by playing. So the idea is to, to get into a game that's either, you know, very cheap, very inexpensive game that you can do online or at a home game where they're playing games and you just pick up stuff. Of course, there's a, a there's reading material out there. We, you know, that reading material didn't exist a generation ago. You can go online right now and find, you, know, you could find a tutorial on drama duty. Somebody telling you. <laughs> right. Okay. So just, you know, just, Find other people. And in fact, if you find other people who want to play mix, I've told this to no limit holding players again and again. Once you come over to mix, you often don't go back. It's just you don't want to go back. It's just so much more enjoyable because the other limit holders essentially been solved. So now if you're playing against the best player in the world that whole GTO business and stuff, it's hard to beat them. It's the other mixed games have not been solved by the solvers yet. Plus, most of the people playing them are like me. Now, I'm a decent player at it, but I'm not studying the game. You know, I'm going to make a million mistakes per session. So just come on over to the other people who are just trying to have a good time and, and learn the games, and you, you, will, you will love it. You will not want to go back to just playing two-card poker for the rest of your life. I believe it. Well, Norman, you've earned uh, the opportunity to go crack open one, one of those bottles behind you and relax for the rest of the evening. I can't thank you enough, not only for your wonderful uh, uh, activities over the summer and all that you do for the poker world, but to come on here and uh, share this time with us is a gift. And I really do appreciate it. And I'll be mean to you later on Twitter. So this all balances out. But just while we're here, I think you're a real sweet guy. And I'm glad we got a chance to meet and make this connection. Thank you. Just to be honest with you, I appreciate your kind words. Uh, I lost a bet, which is why I had to come on today. 
I would not have come on otherwise. And it's the cheapest way to pay off the bet. Smart. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't want you to think I'm some type of sweet guy. So I'll let me go to this guy's podcast <laughs> you know, who I met once wearing a white coat and a mask and who was, you know, gone an hour later from the tournament. <laughs> well, at least you didn't right. have to wear that penguin suit. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Norman. Um, have a great uh, night, a great week. And I just hope that our uh, paths cross again and that it's not at a mixed game table where you can take all my money away from me. All right. It was a pleasure. See y'all later. All right. Thanks. Well, Bye. there you have it, folks. The one and only Norman Chad. We got him. Um, and yeah, I will reinforce to folks. Uh, he really didn't want to come on the show, so we did have to uh, get that bet in there. He's not—he's not someone you could just ring up and say, uh, "Hey, come on, uh, come on on my podcast." <laughs> but he—he he is such a sweetheart. Um, I do think he's getting soft. I think he's softening up in his old age because um, you—you can tell he's—he's uh, he's getting a little softer around the edges there, smiling more. You know, I don't think he's the grumpy old man that he uh, that he lets himself on to be. <laughs> but that was that was some fun. I know we had a chance to get most of the uh, questions in from the chat there. Yeah, Ben Enslow, I see you just missed it, man. Sorry about that bad timing. But um, you'll be able to listen to it. This audio version will come out on Friday. And of course, the video will go live immediately. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so far there was a poll on Twitter earlier about... Um, what was going to go wrong on the show tonight? Because I'm I'm not you. This is my first time trying to actually manage the stream as well as hosting. Uh, the stream did start on time, and it hasn't just ended abruptly. So those ones are out the window. I don't see any smoke coming out of the PC, and there were a couple audio issues maybe early. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with audio issues, which was choice A in the poll. Um. So here before we. Uh, uh, move on to the home game results and uh, everything else going on in Rec Poker Land. Why don't we do our uh, our role here for who's going to win the prize this week? So you folks know um, every week I just like to reinforce to folks that um, food insecurity is an issue that's facing a lot of people in North America, maybe even people that you might not expect. And if you want to make a difference in the world, a great way to see a big ROI on your time or your donation is to do what you can uh, with what you have, where you are. And that often means that just making a donation or donating some time uh, to a local community food bank is a great way to make a big difference and to help people that are in your uh, in your own community. So a few folks have typed the words food bank into the chat here. And we're going to roll a dice, to, a die to see who the winner is. The first one in there was Evil Roy Slade. So we'll start there. Oh, and I'm actually going to need a bigger die. Oh, my. All right. We've got a few extra people in the chat for the Norm, the uh, Norman chat effect. And let's see who the winner is this week. Uh, one, two. Th- oh, it's a double around. It is Evil Roy Slade. We hit you twice there. Dave, congratulations. Um, you are already a Rec Poker Premium member, so I'm not going to give you a free month of uh, Rec Poker to try it out. But you have, we're going to take that $15, and uh, we're going to apply that towards um, the coaching time of your choosing. Uh, 
So anyone, um, as we do these draws, if you're not a premium member, you'll win a free month at Rec Poker Premium. And if you are a premium member already, we'll take that $15 and apply it as a coaching credit. We've got lots of uh, court wrecking crew members on the core team who offer coaching by the hour or database reviews or uh, solver work. Um, there's lots of other ways to work with wrecking crew members. And uh, $15 is a significant portion of that hourly rate. So you'll be happy to hear that you're getting a great deal on that. Uh, email me, my friend, jim at rec.poker, and we'll make sure that you are all set up to take that next step. So we'll go into the uh, home game winners. We don't have John Somsky with us tonight, so I'm going to do my best to uh, wing through it. I think at the top, we shouted out um, premium member Michael Babker. Uh, Michael Babker has been a premium member for a long time. We've been counting on his support for what feels like years and years. And I'm happy to say that he is the first person on the winner's list here. So on August 22nd, M. Babker, Michael Babker, won the uh, daily tournament, which I think is their 10th. I I don't know how John has this stuff figured out. Their 22nd of all time. That looks about right. Um, On the 23rd, oh, it was David Westerveld, our own Evil Roy C.A., so the winners keep winning. The rich get richer around here. Dave, congratulations. Um, not only do you get that coaching discount, but you also uh, have another win under your belt. Uh, on the next day, August 24th, Michael Babker is back. I can't believe it. So I chose the right uh, episode to shout him out at the top of the show. Congratulations, Michael. That's two in a week. Congratulations. That's fantastic. On the 25th, Rick the Good Dog and uh, Rick has not made his name public in the in the rec poker uh, profile fields. So even though a lot of people know who Rick is, I'm not going to dox him by putting his name out there. But if you're at all familiar with Minnesota poker, I think you know Rick the good dog. He's a constant presence in the winner's circle at Canterbury and running aces. A way to go, Rick. On August 26th, JT Guns 22 or J won their second tournament. Congratulations. On the 27th, Isenma, and note the ease with which their name just rolls off the tongue, not like the good old days. Uh, again, Isenma, I'm going to dox you. Your name is Spike. I know that much for real. Uh, but you also have not made your Rec Poker profile name visible. So uh, feel free to go in and update that if you want us to be able to shout you out. And this must be the the week of repeat winners on the 27th in the mixed event. David Westerveld, again, Evil Roy CA winning their second mixed event of all time. But I believe that's their 32nd overall tournament win in the two or two and a half years that we've been doing this together. Dave, congratulations, man. That's really impressive. And then in our international series, <laughs> Rick the Good Dog is back for the Saturday morning tournament, uh, picking up a win there. And then in the Saturday afternoon tournament, Elvita 11, Joe Coolis, uh, who's a great guy and a uh, uh, an active participant in a lot of our study groups and strategy conversations. So no surprise, he's showing up again in the winning, winner's circle. Way to go, uh, Joe. And then the LPPs, oh my God. So every Sunday, we have a a Learn Pro Poker tournament. So it's the same tournament. It's the same Sunday night tournament as all our other uh, daily events. But whoever wins on Sunday, uh, you get a whole free month at the Learn Pro Poker 
uh, training site that Ryan LaPlante and KL Cleeton and uh, all those uh, guys and gals have put together over there. It's a fantastic site. They do a fantastic work um, and they're great friends of the show. And the winner this week was Michael Babker. <laughs> so Michael, I swear to God, I had not read all these winners at the time that I picked you to shout out at the top of the show, but I must've just had a feeling because that's one, two, that's three victories in the week. So Michael won basically a third of the tournaments that are going on at Rec Poker this week. Uh, that is really impressive. So way to go to Michael Babker. Send me an email, my man, jim at rec.poker, and we'll make sure that you get your free month at Learn Pro Poker. You're going to enjoy that. No doubt about it. Uh, Rob, what's happening in the book study? We're really enjoying... Um, Endgame Poker Theory, the ICM book by Dario Carney and uh, Barry Carter. What are we working on uh, these days? Uh, we're going through hand histories, basically, or, or going through situations, right? Uh, we got halfway through the short stacks um, situation. So what to do What to do when you're a short stack? Then we'll do the big stack, and then we'll do the medium stack. Um, so next, probably two... Three more sessions will be through the book. Um, and then I'm going to be looking at putting a poll out there uh, real soon to see what we can generate some interest in the next book. See who wants to do what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we let the people talk um, and then yes. we listen. The people talk and we listen. So Rob's going to be uh, looking to some of our members to add some input and help us select what will be the next book study. Um, so you look for that on uh, on Twitter and on the website soon. We'll be doing a poll, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And it's not too late to get involved in this series. We record all the sessions, and they're available in the video archive for premium members. And uh, we're going to have a little uh, Q&A at the end of it. I'm not sure if it'll be Barry or uh, Dara who comes to talk about the book, uh, but they, they're both great sports and have a lot of fun um, talking to recreational players about this stuff. So uh, it's not too late to catch up on the old episodes and uh, get up to date and then join us for the last couple and the q and I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I want to just shout out, it is the end of August right now. Next Monday night is going to be Labor Day. So uh, loyal viewers and listeners, we will not be doing a recording of the show on Monday night. We actually pre-recorded our interview with the one and only Rob Washam. That's right. It's our own man, Rob. Uh, so we recorded that a little earlier. That episode will be coming out next week, but we won't be uh, recording this, the show. So enjoy your long weekend, everybody, and we'll catch up with you on the other side. Um, the only other thing I would say is that... Uh, we're constantly looking at new ways to get involved with the poker community here uh, at Rec Poker. One of the things that we're going to be doing later this year is doing more written work, uh, blog posts and articles on the Rec Poker blog. And this feels to me like a great way for some of our listeners to get more involved. So if you've ever thought, oh, I could write a blog article or I'd be interested in editing or contributing or so I'm somehow getting involved in the written word. Um, it's not just for premium members or wrecking crew members. I'd like to hear from um, all sorts of different kind of poker fans and poker players with different perspectives on poker. Um, we've got a, a lot of brainstorming to do still about what sort of what might come out in some of these articles or blog posts. So like I say to everybody, you know, there's room for you. 
if you love poker, there is room in the poker world for you to share that love with the rest of the world. If there wasn't, I wouldn't be here. You know, uh, Lord knows I'm not qualified to be here. So if just like Norman Chad, you know, fighting his way in like Kevin Mathers, just doing what he does until someone starts uh, picking it up and, um, and paying him to do it, there's room for you out there as well. So if you'd like to get more involved with Rec Poker as a writer, or if you have some other skills that you'd like to share with the poker world, you know, send me an email, jim at rec.poker. And uh, let's let's take the world on together. You never know what you could do that might uh, make a little room for you in the poker world. But I guarantee you there is, there is space here for you. Um, is there anything else, gang, that we should uh, mention before we roll on out of here? I will say another thing. Um, We've made some changes to the website over the last little while, and we're going to continue tweaking it a bit. If you're a premium member and you're listening to this, any premium member at any time, I'm happy to just take 15 minutes over Zoom, and we can just talk about the website. I can show you how to find things that you want to find. We can just talk about poker. We can go over a hand that's been troubling you or something like that. Uh, So if anyone, if you're a premium member, just send me an email, jim at rec.poker. I'll send you a link and we can get together for 15 minutes and uh, talk about whatever's on your mind and hopefully unlock some of those website secrets that people can get the most out of that as well. So I think failing that... We are just going to roll on out of here. Huge thanks for what a great sport Norman Chad is. I told him last week, you know, we're not going to have a producer. It's probably going to go really badly. Um, (laughs) But he was such a good sport. Uh, But he came along anyway, and we had a lot of fun. And I really do want to thank him for that. Um, Rob, did you have something there you wanted to add? Nope, nope, nope. Well, then I'll just thank uh, Mark Prashan at Website Amp and everyone over at Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. Um, Rob and Kim for joining me in the chat here. And everyone on YouTube for uh, popping your heads in and adding some questions. But mostly you, the listeners. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll see you again soon.